I'm going to pray again. Let's just ask God to speak to us today. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. We welcome your presence. We have welcomed your presence. Lord, we thank you that you said where two or more are gathered, you are there in the midst. And Lord, we just want to take a moment right now to honor you and to recognize that you are here because we're gathered together in your name. And we thank you, Lord, that you've sent your spirit. And uh, Lord, as we open up um, and look at some of the things of your word and share some thoughts, Lord, we, we desire this morning to hear what you are saying to the church. Lord, we, we want to say that we, uh, you said that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from your mouth. And so, God, we are asking you, even more so than natural food today, we hunger to hear from you, and we need to receive from you. We thank you that you're here. Ask, Father, that you would speak a word that would raise up an army to accomplish your purpose and to do what, what only you can do, far beyond what any of us can do with our natural strength. We yield our strength over to you. And Lord, we thank you that uh, when you speak, that is what gives us strength. That is what gives us energy to do what you can do. Open up our ears, open up our eyes to see and hear what you're saying in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to be doing uh, over the next couple of minutes, I'm going to be sharing some thoughts about prayer, because as we said earlier, we have a corporate prayer gathering uh, this Wednesday. Incredibly important, and we said at the end of last week, prayer is the most important ministry that we have. Uh, and I'm not downing other things that we are called to do in, in the way of the church and the call of God. Prayer is the number one ministry uh, that we have. So what we're going to be sharing is I'm, I'm trusting that there's going to be something of an ignition of the power that you and I have in prayer. Sometimes we need to be reminded about the power that we have in prayer. And when we really see that and get it, it fuels our desire and our faith to pray. Yeah. Now, prayer can be boring sometimes. I'm not saying it should be, but sometimes even the best of us have boring, dry prayer times. But there's something about when you see and you understand what is happening, that thing kind of bolts your faith again. It gives you passion to be able to be in that place, and um, specifically, not just us praying in, on, in our own capacity, but the incredible power that is multiplied when we pray. Um, we haven't had a whole lot of corporate prayer in a, in, a, in a sense that I think would really fulfill our biblical mandate as a church. And uh, we're about to come into some times in the, in the coming days where we're going to have some ministry opportunities, and I think it's time for us to be praying and trusting and hearing and praying out what we're hearing and, and releasing something of what God is saying over us in heaven, releasing it into the earth. Very exciting. Um, I didn't plan on saying this, but let me just mention, um, I had a great conversation. I have mentioned this to some of the people in the room with uh, Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries right around the corner 
they do an incredible job feeding the homeless, feeding the needy, and providing a heating room and that kind of thing. But but uh, they kind of have a core group of men who stay there for a few months usually, some of which are just simply down on their luck, maybe they lost their job, maybe whatever. And um, there are some things in the works that are about to be affected where we have an open door as a church to go in and minister uh, to some of these men and be a part of the process of God in their life to bring them into a place of wholeness, which is incredibly exciting to give what it is that we have to walk a journey with them um, and uh, potentially to uh, have an ongoing relationship with them. They, you know, incorporate it into the life of the church or what have you. Uh, I think that it would be good for us to be praying over these things, yes. trusting. Uh, Minda's also going to be meeting with somebody from Detroit Public Schools who, is now, who are now reaching out uh, asking for faith-based local organizations to help them in the way of mentoring and tutoring, which when I read that, and we prayed as a leadership team as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, for open doors into the community the day before I read this article in the Detroit News, um, and kind of, you know, like, okay. And so we've been hunting them down, and we have a meeting set up this week to speak about what, what that could look like. And uh, we even got some stuff, our Detroit group, our home home group, community group, um, meeting here in Detroit, some stuff that we have launching into tomorrow's neighborhood, um, which is exciting, very, very thrilling. So a lot of stuff beginning to happen. I think we, it's time for us to be praying. Um, so what I want to do is just speak some things that I think are going to ignite our faith in that regard, why corporate prayer, and then two simple tips to bolster our own prayer, both corporately and individually. Good? First point. First thing, corporate prayer is we so easily minimize the, and see corporate prayer as this thing, in fact, it's an optional thing in church. And uh, I've got some friends who, uh, on the NCMI team, New Covenant Ministries International team, who oftentimes say, you really know how many people you have in your church when you have a corporate prayer meeting. Because that's, it's like somehow we, we see this as church and this corporate prayer meeting is like this you know yeah it's just this option thing when in fact from heaven's perspective I don't think it's that way at all in fact it's the other way around that the church was birthed in prayer and that is who we are it's not something even that we do it's who we are it's part of our identity Jesus himself quoted Old Testament scripture saying my house speaking of the church shall be a house of prayer for all nations. It's our identity. It's not an optional extra thing that we do. It's how the church was birthed. And somehow we think that we graduate from this place of intensified corporate prayer to pursue the purposes of God. We graduate from it and we don't really need it when in fact it all begins there. And the fuel of what we do in our community is all rooted in us having spent time in prayer, not just in our own prayer closet, together. And in fact, the whole idea of a local church is that each of us have our own connection with Jesus, with God through Jesus, but that we have a collective relationship, a journey that we walk together. And each of us only really find our unique callings and gifts in so much that we fit together according to the scriptures. That God's building a temple built of living stones, people fitted and joined together, if you are familiar with that. 
We, we find that as we, uh, our, own, our own role, as we fit together in the bigger, corporate prayer is where we walk this relationship out with God, where we hear from him and we speak things back to him. So if you look with me uh, in Acts chapter 1, and uh, I can reference the scripture, but I'd rather read the scripture because I think faith comes here by hearing. So Acts chapter 1, I just want to touch and reference how the church, the church, capital C, actually began. Began In verse 12 of, of chapter 1, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olive Grove, which is the Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. Now, if you don't know the context here, Jesus has just ascended into heaven. He's left his disciples on the earth. And I believe that these disciples are shaking in their boots. Why? Because he just told them to go and take the baton that he had been carrying and he, and he gave it to them and said, now you go do what I've been doing. And again, even right there, we oftentimes miss that. We somehow think that over the past 2,000 years, it's become these apostles in the early church, they kind of did all this stuff, and somehow over time, church is kind of like about sitting in a chair on a Sunday and listening to a man speak. And so, as, as, as important as we often say, that is... The same baton that Jesus carried is the same baton that has been passed down through the It's the same. That is our calling. Yeah. And when we understand that, it is a very natural response to go into an upper room together and say, God, help! We can't do this. So he calls them and tells them to go tarry in Jerusalem, to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Verse 13 says, And when they come in, they went up into an upper room where Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. Verse 14. These all were continuing with one accord in prayer and supplication. I want you to take note of that. They were continuing in prayer, but not only that, the Bible specifies that it was in one accord. That there was something of coming into an agreement together that can only be found in a place of prayer. They found agreement between what God had spoken in heaven and what they were agreeing in a place of prayer, speaking back to God together. Catch that. And then if you skip over to, uh, no, prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now skip over to the next chapter, verse 1 of chapter 2. And in the fulfilling of the day of Pentecost, they were all with one what? Accord. Accord in one place. Very important. Unity of the heart and being together physically. Well, I'm praying, and Sharon's praying, and Richard's praying, so isn't that kind of like corporate prayer when we're all praying in our prayer closets? No. We need to be in one accord and in one place. There's something about gathering together and hearing one another praying, and the Spirit in me agreeing with the Spirit in you, and there's something of agreement that takes place on earth that releases power. And let's read about that power. Verse 2. And suddenly a sound came out of heaven as borne along by the rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And tongues of fire appeared to them, and uh, being distributed, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And if you read on in that chapter, many of you would know that people heard this wind, they heard this utterance, they heard even people praising God in their own native languages, and they looked up there and they saw Galileans and Jews speaking a non-Jewish language, 
uh, with per perfect fluency, uttering the praises of God and said, what is going on? And some of them thought they were drunk. And, and Peter stood up and said, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. This is that which was prophesied of the prophet Joel, that in these last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams. And he, and he uh, be, pro proclaimed the gospel for the first time since Jesus ascended. This, my friends, was the beginning of the church. Yes. This is how it started. And a birth is oftentimes prophetic of what it's supposed to be on into the end. I believe, my friends, that the church of Jerusalem is simply a model to show us what church can and should look like and to be spread from that city to every city on the planet by people who are following Jesus and anointed of his spirit, bathed in a place of prayer together. I want to say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. We've got 15, 16 people plus some youth. We've got like 20 kids. We can naturally say, what are we ever going to do? Let me tell you something. Detroit can be turned upside down Amen, right. by a group of people yes. who really will pray yes. in the same way that yes. these people pray. Yes. Upside down. It has nothing to do with the strength of our arm. It has everything to do with him having our heart and us trusting and believing on earth and coming into agreement. And there is power in agreement when people come together. Power in agreement. We have the ability as believers to release what God has willed in heaven, to release it in prayer on the earth just by perceiving what his will is and then speaking it in prayer. That is the power. I don't know if you yeah. caught what I just said. Yes. Mm -hmm. Changing the course of human destiny. Mm -hmm. Writing the history books that are recorded in heaven mm -hmm. simply as a son and daughter of God, hearing our Father and then speaking it through prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And as we collectively come into that place, big stuff happens. Amen. What has God called this church to do? Let's pray it. Let's not just say, what are we going to do and have a strategy and have this plan? Do no, 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 no. Let's start by praying over it, hearing God together, moving with him. And from that place, let's form our strategy or whatever. But let's start with prayer. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's, let's move on from there. I just want another point. Primary ministry of the church is about prayer. If you'll go with me to the end of the chapter we're still in, Acts chapter 2. Uh, the, the writer of this historical book, Acts, which is uh, Luke, uh, spells out a description, key description, that we here in this church have been mentioning from the beginning. How many of you were a part of our vision gatherings a little over a year ago? Some of you, yeah, some of you, all right, yeah, there it is. Nikki, you weren't, you were, you were playing hooky, and uh, I'm just kidding. All the way back then, we've been, we've been referencing this scripture all the way, and I want to say it again, that these four elements that Luke recorded descriptors of what church life looked like. Things that they gave themselves, in fact it says just that, that they were continuing steadfastly in these four things. One, the apostles' doctrine or teaching. The teaching of the apostles. Receiving the ministry of the word. One, this is the first thing. Preaching and teaching. Fellowship. Second, breaking of bread. In other words, eating together. And then thirdly, prayers. Now, I, I said in our, our community group this earlier this week that oftentimes we think of it's the teaching and it's the prayer. That's like where the power is. 
and uh, we, we like those things, and we minimize sometimes the breaking of bread, eating, and fellowship. Did you know that those things are just as anointed and powerful as anything else? Yeah. I know that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about the prayer part. But I want to just emphasize all four, four of these. This is why we do community group, by the way. Because we have to emphasize, which means make a priority of spending time to eat together, to, to uh, have fellowship together, and to do this. The teaching, as well as the, uh, the prayer together. Those four things. So why corporate prayer? I'm just going to say uh, very... That's four things. My girl. And breaking bread. We need to eat together. Eating is important. Okay, so uh, I keep stepping in front of this thing. I don't know how well I'm recording. Why do we do corporate prayer? A couple thoughts here. Just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Number one is because there is power in agreement. So if you look with me, Matthew chapter 18 in, in verse 19, Jesus says something that is absolutely, if you, if you will like the heart of a child who doesn't know any better, actually believe what Jesus says here. Listen to what he says. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. <laughs> Did we hear that? If two of you agree. Now, what's he talking about? There's something about what I described earlier where it's a spiritual thing. It's not me arbitrarily deciding with Craig, you know what? I'm going to believe that we're both going to receive checks for a million dollars in the mail from, from nowhere. You want to agree? That it's going to be done by our Father in heaven. Hallelujah. I like this church thing. No. It doesn't mean that you just arbitrarily choose. It is the power of a born-again person who has received the Spirit of God, thus received the ability to have direct communication from heaven. When we, when I, as a believer, perceive in my spirit the will of God, what God has said, I hear the voice of my Father, and I pray that out, and another person can, can agree in their spirit. Something witnesses. Do you understand what I mean by that? The witness in our heart, the witness in our spirit, our, our spirit bears witness. In other words, there's something in us that says, yes, my spirit says that is the will of God. When we agree, it is going to be done by our Father. Why do we do corporate prayer? Because Jesus says when we have that, when we have that prayer, it will be done. And we're going to read another scripture later to even reinforce that. But that's the power that we're talking about here. We have the ability to change the course of our city by praying. And we don't have the ability to change the course of our city, in, at least not in his name, in, in, in the way he wants to, without praying. We live, it's the engine room of the church, is corporate prayer. I hope that we can prioritize corporate prayer in its place. Uh, and let me say this as well, based on what I just said. Corporate prayer is not about us getting together to pray. It is about us getting together to agree. Now, I understand that that is in a place of prayer. But don't, don't, but you hear what I'm saying? It's not the praying. It's not the many words that we utter. It's agreement. Yeah. It's, good. It's, 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 
And it's not even agreeing with each other. It's first me discerning God's will and praying that out. And that is how we agree. So there's power in that. And I just want to reference a couple things that I think are awesome and amazing. Do you know that all major revivals that have happened in church history, you know how they started? You want to guess? Anybody have a wild guess? Want to take a stab at it? Huh? Prayer. Corporate prayer. It is amazing. So I just want to reference a couple of them. And you may have, I don't know, if you heard of some of these moments and, and there were some eccentricities associated with some of them. I have no doubt that at the core, these were legitimate moves of God. There was a revival that happened in uh, Brownsville, Florida. And uh, that was in an Assemblies of God church, the Brownville Assemblies of God that began in 1995. 200,000 people uh, were recorded as, as giving their hearts to Jesus, becoming born-again Christians through that. And um, thousands of pastors from around the country visited this place and experienced something deep that they then took back to their churches, not only around the country, but even around the world. How did that begin? Pastor John Kilpatrick began to call his church into corporate prayer in 1993, and it was on Father's Day of 1995, that finally somebody responded to the altar call of salvation, and that somehow was a crack in the dam that began what started with once a little thing began to become a flood that came across. That was Brownsville, 1995. Go back about 90 years before that, a thing called the Azusa Street Revival which many of us are living in the fruit of and the privilege of, and we're standing on the shoulders of things that people contended for a hundred years ago in the faith against all of the norms of Christianity in that day. And what they contended for is they began to realize that the way that the Spirit was poured out on Pentecost was not supposed to have ceased, but it's still for today. And they began to pray, and they began to make space for this around March of 1906, I think, or 05. Um, they began to pray in Azusa Street, California, uh, in L.A., and um, for about a month had these prayer meetings, and they began to um, dabble with the idea that tongues are still for today. And, and uh, it was in April of, of that same year, about after a month of doing these nightly meetings, that something shifted, something happened that broke open to these amazing prophecy, divine healing incredible baptisms of the Holy Spirit, a coming together of people of all socioeconomic and racial boundaries obliterated, coming together into this place. And the ripple effect of this movement sent missionaries throughout the world. I mean, you can't even, you can't even have a numerical figure for this revival because it, 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 it literally rippled not only around the world, but the decades this spawned the charismatic movement of the 1960s and 70s and, so, and all the things that were spawned out of that. Azusa Street. You want to uh, guess how that started? Prayer. Exactly. A couple years before that, a little lesser known but no less important, was a revival that happened in Wales. A guy named Evan Roberts who wound up uh, in, in a strange place, but he was an intercessor of note. Gripped. Gripped with the sense of God's kingdom coming, it must come, and praying, gripped in prayer, in intercession, praying furiously for it for, I don't know how long, a year, began more and more for people began to join him in the sin. And, uh, and it, once that thing began to, to kick, 
um, it turned Wales for a period of about two years upside down. Football ga- or soccer games. <laughs> They're called football games over there. <laughs> soccer games were canceled. Like the national uh, um, obsession canceled. There were uh, public gatherings and like speeches, political speeches, all these things were canceled because of the momentum of the prayer. Bars were shut down. And there were prayer, spontaneous prayer meetings that would start in these mines. There's a lot of miners in Wales. And these, like, like gruff alcohol drinking, you know, like rough guys getting totally radically converted and becoming people of prayer. This thing had such a ripple effect that back over, remember how I mentioned Azusa Street? There was a guy named, um, doesn't matter, Frank Bartleman, was so hungry when he heard the testimony of what was happening in Wales. Azusa had not yet happened. And he wrote a letter to Evan Roberts to say, we want in here in America what's happening in Wales. What do we do? And here is Evan Roberts' letter. This was the whole letter. Back to him. His instruction. Congregate the people who are willing to make a total surrender. Pray and wait. Believe God's promises, hold daily prayer meetings. My God, may God bless you is my earnest prayer. That those instructions were taken seriously over in Azusa, and boom, the world has never been the same since, or the, the church has never been the same since. And then if you want to take a step back 2,000 years before that, this thing of Pentecost and the birth of the church, how did that start? Prayer. prayer. Are you seeing the pattern here? It's always been corporate prayer. That is what church life is. It starts there. It's relationship with God. A, a corporate relationship with God. So I believe agreement in corporate prayer unlocks the dams. And it's an ingredient that will, that will happen no other way. Yes, I need to have my own relationship with God in pursuit of God. And God's marvelously breaking dams in my own heart as we speak. But there's something that doesn't happen outside of corporate prayer. Secondly, why corporate prayer? And just kind of rattle a couple thoughts out. We have not because we ask not. If you'll look with me, James, if you can get there quickly enough. James chapter 4 verse 2. You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And, and just the, at such a simple place, if we as a church are called as a church, how many of you believe we are called to something as a church? If we are called as a church, do you realize that we may never have what we've been called to do if we don't ask for it? And that's not just tomorrow going home today and asking for it. That's us asking for it. Simple. I like simple. Yeah. There's power in agreement. Secondly is we have not because we ask not. Which is to say, if we do ask, guess what? Yeah. We will have yeah. what we're called to do. And, um, and it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing. I can't even fully explain it. God, I know he's sovereign in some things he does independent of me. I don't understand all of that. Just to be straight up with you. But in the same breath, somehow God wants us to pray for him to do what he wants to do in the earth. I mean, it's always been that way. He put man in the garden and he put him in charge and he delegated to him the authority to rule over that thing. And it's always been that way. It's never, he never took that back. 
says that the, the, the promises of God or the calling of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. He doesn't take it. When he gave that authority to man, not even down to this day has he ever taken that authority away on the earth. That's why he had to become a man to save us. What, what, what am I talking about? What does this have to do with prayer? There's something about a man or a woman praying in the earth to release what God wants to have happen in the earth. So I know he's sovereign, but somehow that's still true. And I remember in 2011, God started to call me and Minda to take this leap of faith. And I've spoken of it several times. Leap of faith, where we didn't renew our contracts with our employer in South Africa. It was, it, it, we had, it was very complicated because of our visas. We couldn't just go get a job. So it was like, what? Okay. God, and we, and we knew that he was speaking to us that he's going to open a door. And I won't get into all the details, but you know what he did for those like not seven months, nine months or whatever, what, while we were hanging in the balance of when is this door going to open? He called us to pray about what he had spoken to us when we moved to South Africa, which was a little known scripture called Isaiah 61. <laughs> and he called us into praying every night over Isaiah 61. God, open up a door where hearts will be healed, where people will be liberated. We're in a praying through that every night. And you know what happened at the end of that season? He opened up a door, and you know the, the rest with Santon City Church and blah, 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 which is an incredible, incredible time, and hearts were healed, and, and, um, and that church is pumping today, not because of me, but because of, because of him building the church. Uh, I don't know. What if we had not prayed every night like, we, like that happened and responded to God's call? I don't know. I don't know. But I sure am glad that we, we prayed. There's something about it. And then uh, we have not because we ask not. Another thing, Jeremiah 29, 13, is that we find him when we seek him. Isn't that a good promise? And that is a promise, by the way. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that definitely has personal application. We can seek him. And I know maybe what we did earlier this morning in worship, that's a form of seeking him, I guess, but there's something different about praying, seeking the Lord results in, guess what, Richard? Finding him. And, uh, and part of finding him, what does it even mean to find him? It means the encounter of him. It means the prophetic word of God that brings clarity and direction to our life comes through when we're seeking him. When in fact we could be wandering aimlessly even as Christians and when we seek him we will find the direction he wants to give us which will straighten our path and, and show us which way to go. That finding him does not happen independent of seeking him. We need it. Yes. And then lastly, uh, corporate prayer is, why, why corporate prayer? Because it's essential to discipleship, which is the ultimate call of the church. S prayer, praying around other people, you pick up and you glean from others who are more mature or a, a new Christian. You learn how to pray by being a part of prayer. It's a part of how we learn to pray. And if we don't learn how to pray, we're not going to get very far in our development. 
So we need to have facilities in place where prayer is happening and that people, as they come into faith in Jesus, can plug into something where they're going to learn to pray. I, I experienced that as a new believer big time. So two tips that I want to say on, on prayer, and then we're going, to, uh, we're going to activate some of this quickly. You ready? Two simple tips. You still have the capacity to receive just two small tips? Uh, first tip is this. Whatever you ask according to God's will is going to be done when you ask in faith. So the tip is this. Discern, seek, and pray out not just what you want, but the, the revealed will of God. And when you do that, you can be sure, because of what I just read, it's going to be done. I haven't read it yet, actually. John... John 5, 1 John 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That scripture should revolutionize our prayer life. When I realize that anything I pray right now as I'm praying that is according to his will, it's going to be done. It will be done. So, uh, again, the goal of prayer is, is agreement. We're not trying to coerce God. We're not trying. I've heard so many times God, people praying, God, you know, um, would you heal Debbie? It would just be such a testimony to all the people around her in her life if you would heal her. And it's like God needs this, like he's sitting there going, oh, yeah. If I heal her, then people are going to see how glorious I am. We don't need to try to coerce God or talk to him or change his mind. We need to re discern and hear from him what his will is and then pray that out. And so how do we do that? Two things. You guys remember us talking about the river? And what is the river essentially? This thing that comes out from the throne of God for the healing of the nations. It's made up of two things. The word and the spirit. And we... Listen to the recording from two weeks ago if you don't know what I'm talking about. The Word and the Spirit. The same thing in, in prayer. How do we know the will of God? His Word, the number one. But don't forget also there's a relational aspect. He gives us His Spirit. And there's something that just kind of registers inside of us that we discern the will of God. He reveals things to us. The Word and the Spirit. So as you're praying, anything that you receive, you can always count on the Word. But even the Word we can misapply without the Spirit of God. Sometimes he'll take the word and he'll show us what that means to us right now. The word and the spirit, you pray those things out, you can be confident you're praying the will of God and you will have what, you, what, we, uh, what we ask for. I've got a little story, um, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, so I, I need a volunteer real quick. Who wouldn't mind receiving prayer? Right now, like real quick. Okay, so Michelle, you're the volunteer. Michelle... Um, uh, tell me in general terms uh, what, what you could receive prayer for. Okay, healing. All right. So, Michelle, would you join me up here? Is that okay? Um, I'll tell you when you get up here. My feet don't stink. I took a shower. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay, so she needs prayer for healing. So somebody here, tell me, according to the scripture... What do we know to be the case um, about healing? And you better back it up with, with some... Disclosing the answer. Uh, 
Richard. Well, the God wants to heal. Okay. It's not something that we want more than Him. Okay. He wants it just as much as we are. Can you, can you, um, I agree with you. Can you, uh, um, possibly, if somebody wanted to know how you believe that to be the case, give me something? How, would, how, how do you believe it? I was wrong. I had a problem with scripture. Okay. I, I know that God loves us. Okay. God loves us. He loves us so much that he, he came here and died for us. Um, and that uh, by his stripes we're healed. Yep. Okay. There you go. By Okay. By his stripes we're healed. Okay. He healed all who were oppressed. He healed all who were oppressed with sickness and oppressed of the devil. Right. All who were, yeah, he healed, he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. That's right. Okay. So, um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and they shall recover. That's right. That's okay. Right. And then these, he even said these things that he did, we would do in greater still. That's like, whoa. Okay. So for this one, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. So we've just, we've just taken a need and we've given consideration to what has God said about that. And we, and we pray. Would you pray with me? Would you agree with me? So Lord, we, we, uh, we bring before you your word. And uh, we thank you that you, as Richard just said, you love Michelle. You died for her. Yes, Lord, thank you. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you that you did that. Lord, uh, your word says that by the stripes that you took for our, for, um, our redemption, uh, for our salvation, by those same stripes, we were healed. Amen. And we know that uh, in Scripture that that specifically references physical healing. Yes, thank you, Lord. And so, uh, and Lord, even as Richard just mentioned, you said these signs would follow them that believe. They would lay hands on the sick and they recover. Yes. So we lay hands upon this body uh, in, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we speak to sickness and declare sickness. You do not have a place in this body. Sickness, you have no right. You have no authority and you will not inhabit this body. In Jesus' name, we command uh, sickness. Uh, is there a name we can? Rheumatoid arthritis. That's it. We speak to rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. We speak to rheumatoid arthritis right now in Jesus' name, and we command you to leave this body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that you said that whatever we pray according to your will, we, it will be done by our Father. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How are you feeling? I feel good today. I mean, I'm doing good. You're feeling good today? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, keep us posted. I am. I well, shall. Yeah, good. Okay, so you see how that works? Yeah. Uh, discern the will of God, the word and the prayer. So, um, excuse me, the word and the spirit. Um, just one little thing I want to say, a second tip. So first is encourage yourself that what, when you're praying, or as we are praying, whatever we pray according to his will, it's done. It's done. That's the encouragement that we have. Secondarily, critical, uh, when, when it comes to prayer and how to pray, I think we start with when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and he told them. And he gives a, a very simple model of prayer. By the way, do you know that the words in that prayer are not great? They're in the, in the sense of numbers of words. 
So it's not in the numbers of words. It's not in the grand oration that we like to do. That, that it's, it's in the simplicity of faith. But I want to point this out. That that prayer follows a model. It begins with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, it begins with the declaration of God and who he is. Before we talk about anything else in prayer, most of us probably begin our prayers with what we're feeling. I'm not, I'm not trying to judge you or anything. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I know that's my, pre- my, every morning when I wake up, usually there's some worry, some thing, thing that I, and, and the, the, the simple key is to start not on you, not on what you see, but on him. And it, and it can be short. I would suggest if you don't pray about anything else, make sure that you get to a place where your soul is encouraged with who he is. Yeah. If you can do that, even if you don't get to your prayer request, you're good. Yeah, that's right. Because God needs to be bigger than your, your needs and your enemies. Yes. In your heart. And it's not that he becomes bigger. It's reminding your, your soul who he is. Yes. He didn't change. It's your perception of it. That's the simple, but then, then he says, hallowed by the name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, as I am declaring and reminding my soul who he is, I am no longer focused on my kingdom. My kingdom is, Lord, I need this this week, and I need this person to do that, and I need, that's my stuff. But as I declare and remember who he is, then my soul can make that declaration, actually, no, your kingdom come. As I enter into my day, I'm making a declaration. This day belongs to you. I'm not looking for what I think I need. I am making myself your child following you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, after those things are in place, now we pray, give us this day our daily bread. My things. But it comes in a whole different way than if you had started with asking for your things. Now you're just needing those things so that you have the supply that you need to accomplish his purpose, not to survive and do your thing. You following? Yeah. And then it, it goes on into other things like keeping our relationship. Lord, forgive me for anything I've done as I forgive anyone who's done wrong, keeping this clean and, uh, and, 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 and deliver me from temptation, the spiritual battle I'm in, right. praying for protection over that. That's it. Where does it begin? Yes, it starts with the acknowledgement of who he is. That is the, the beginning place of, of, uh, of um, powerful prayer. So I'm going to ask Kurt. Kurt, would you come up here and just uh, give, us, give us a little uh, instrumental background?